The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Hi, everybody. Have you heard that to be professional means that your personal life stays outside the door? I think to a large extent, that's really good advice. And yet, sometimes when the personal and the professional merge, which I feel is our relationship, to those of you who listen to this podcast, especially if you've listened for a long time or listen regularly. And so I do wanna tell you a little bit about what has been going on in my life. My husband has been quite ill. He developed a bone infection because leafy greens can't protect against everything. So there was a little touch and go, but now, He's recovering. So he'll be coming out of the hospital in a few days, going to a rehab facility and learning how to be mobile again so that he can do the things that he loves, like uh, animal Reiki at the Tamerlane Sanctuary and being one of the co-founders of the Compassion Consortium. You know about the Compassion Consortium, a wonderful spiritual center for vegans and others who care about all beings. So What I found has helped me through this so far, and I know there's a ways to go, have been incredible friends in person and online. Lots of people praying. I love it when people write to me and say, I'm doing a special Jewish prayer. I'm doing a special Hindu chant. I signed you up for the guidepost prayer list. It just feels like we're being cared for in every kind of context and and every culture. So I just want to say that if you feel like you're in a tunnel today, looking at the light of the end of it, I hope you have good friends and you certainly have good wishes from me. And hopefully by listening to this wonderful interview with somebody who's just absolutely splendid, that light at the end of the tunnel will be easy to find because I'll bet anything our guest says all kinds of enlightening things. So I am Victoria Moran, 
a host of the Main Street Vegan Podcast. What a pleasure to have all of you with us. This is the second time that Ellen Majors has been with us. And oh my goodness, in the intervening years, she has been doing so much cool stuff that we are going to take the whole luxurious hour to talk with the woman that you may already know as Sexy Fit Vegan and see what she's doing lately. Her newest project is Solutionary Vegans Level Up Podcast, exploring the most effective and inspiring range of strategies for speaking both individual and systemic change for the benefit of living beings. And in her spare time, just like I told you, my husband loves to work with the animals at Tamerlane Sanctuary. Ella is at Hogs and Kisses Farm Sanctuary in Virginia. She also practices Muay Thai and yoga. She kayaks in Miami Beach with her rescue chihuahua, and she travels the globe playing this game we call life. Welcome, Ella. Thank you so much for having me on again, Victoria. It is absolutely wonderful to be with you. You are truly a light in this world. So for people who may not know you yet or who may not remember hearing you back in 2016, (laughs) how did you get to be vegan? Give us a little history. Sure. Yeah. It all started when I was just seven years old. I uh, was getting out of school. I was in first grade, got in my mom's car and she asked me how my day was. And I said, well, we learned about this guy named Daniel Boone, mom. And uh, for anybody who might not know who Daniel Boone is, he's one of our first American folk heroes. And uh, I said, you know, he's supposed to be a hero, but he was so mean. He he uh, killed animals and he ate them. And he was known for wearing this infamous uh raccoon hat and carrying around a shotgun, you know, and um, my mom was honest with me. And she said, well, Ella, you know, we are very fortunate these days. We just get to go to the grocery store and that's where we buy our meat. We don't have to do those things ourselves anymore. And it was at that moment that I connected the the food on my plate um, with animals that I, that I loved. And uh, I said, well, never doing that again. And that was it. I never eat meat again. And I actually really kind of figured out my purpose at that, that point at that, that young age. And I started doing my own research. And by the time I was 15, I really understood all the, uh, the animal agricultural industries and how they're all connected and, uh, went completely vegan and became an animal rights activist at the age of 15. Wow. I wonder if you are the only person who was turned vegetarian by Daniel Boone. That's a good question. I wonder. (laughs) That's one for the the record books. So tell us about how you developed your, your profession, your work in fitness, and how the animal rights part of what you do is becoming so much um, in the forefront at this point. Yeah. So out of, um, out of high school, I went, uh, went into college and, you know, my animal rights experience in, in my high school years, I was very, very active and doing a lot of organizational, um, doing a lot of the organizing protests and things like this. And it was kind of a hard hit when I, when I finally really understood that a lot of people weren't ready to know these things. And because in my young mind, I thought, well, surely if people just knew what was going on behind the closed doors of factory farms, they would automatically go vegan like me. And um, that didn't happen so much. So, you know, it, it, it was really, it was tough. It was tough. And when I went off and, you know, became an adult and, and knew that this was my mission in life, I really started to say, well, I got to find other ways um, of, of 
promoting this lifestyle. And so I went a little bit more the stealth route and I started, um, fitness was always been my other passion since I was five years old, I was into sports and, and fitness. And, um, and then what I found was when people saw how fit I was and they saw them, my muscles and they would come up to me and they would open the door so easily. They'd say, well, how did you get so muscular? And how did you get this physique? And that was the perfect opportunity for me to say, well, I eat plants. This is how I do it. I'm vegan. And so I, I found that introducing it, this lifestyle through the health and fitness aspect was just a different way that seemed to, um, people seemed a little bit more receptive to what I was saying, at least initially. Um, so that's the route I went. And I, I really went, worked on just inspiring people um, in that way. Uh, for a very long time, I, I competed in the Fame World Championships. I wasn't really that interested in, in bodybuilding and, and competing, but I said, well, if this is a platform I can use and if I could win and I did. And so I was, you know, this was 2007 when things were still pretty, um, pretty unknown about what people, there were so many stereotypes and there still are, but it's gotten so much better. Um, so that's kind of the route I went until about 2013 when I said, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to talk about animals again. I'm really ready to to be a little more uh, at the forefront with what I really care about. And that's veganism more than, more than fitness, more than anything else, more than anything else in my life. And um, so that's when I created my brand, Sexy Fit Vegan. And I said, let me just make this as mainstream and as fun. And let me make it so that people want to join the vegan club. And that, that's, that's how Sexy Fit Vegan uh, came to be. That is so cool. And I know that you got an award from Shape Magazine and a lot of respect out there in the bigger world, which always carries uh, carries a lot of weight uh, for, for vegans. So right now, Ella, there seems to be a kind of split in, in the world of people who aren't eating animal products or who aren't eating a lot of animal products for their own health. And then also people who just no, I can't eat an animal. That's an animal. So how do you see that we can bring that together rather than grow further apart? Yeah, I think it's really, really important to meet people where they are. And I think that's, that's the key. It's not so much about, you know, what I care about and why I'm doing it. For me, it's saying, okay, what does this person or what do these people care about? And what can I do to help them kind of see that what they care about is also in line with a vegan lifestyle? And what I found, and I think the research really is, is showing this with um, amazing groups like Faunalytics, is that that is really the most effective way to go is to help people instead of trying to convince them to care about something that maybe they're not ready ready to open their minds to, open their hearts to, find what they do care about. And because it's such a win-win for everyone, um, including animals and, and the planet, um, you know, we can, we can do that. We can, we can really say, okay, well, you care about your health. Well, here's some great reasons. And then we can introduce, and when people introduce the, um, the ethical component of that, and when people can kind of let their guard down because they're already maybe interested in moving down that path for the reasons they currently care about, they can kind of let their guard down and say, hey, by doing this for me, I'm also as a side effect, making a positive impact on the world and, and on animals and, and the planet. Um, and so sometimes I, I think it's 
allowing people to let that guard down by meeting them where they are, that they can then start to kind of morph into multiple reasons for doing what they're doing, which will also help them stay on that, on that track, if that makes sense. I think that is so important because what do people do with a diet? They go off it. That's the very nature of what a lot of people call food restriction. But to me, being vegan, it's the opposite of restriction. It's openness. It's opening your heart, not only your artery, but but Mm -hmm. opening your heart to the love of all creatures and this really beautiful way of life. So I, I am so with you on that. So tell us a little bit, Ella, about your experience as an animal activist. And back in your teenage years, especially, you were doing a lot of that direct action. You were one brave kid. (laughs) Yeah, and I I was, I mean, I, looking back, I I was brave, I suppose, um, in part because I was one of the shyest kids you would have ever met. I when I was like five or six years old, my parents would have to teach me not to hide from people to be able to say hi to people because I was so super shy. But for for some reason that this purpose, this greater, you know, the reason I was here was so clear to me that it didn't, there, it wasn't a choice. It wasn't a choice that I was saying, oh, I'm, I could do this or I couldn't, I, or I'm too scared to do this. It was, this is what I'm here to do. And so it was, um, yeah, as in middle school, even I was getting, uh, um, buttons and materials from, uh, PETA and vegan outreach and, uh, you know, all those great organizations that would just send me stuff. And I would be in middle school passing out buttons to boycott L'Oreal and boy, boycott the, um, you know, cosmetic companies that were testing on animals. And I would sit in cages on the side of the, the road, um, demonstrating the tiny, you know, cages that, that factory farmed and land lab animals, uh, had to endure. And, so I was just doing these things. I went to pigeon shoots and, and would go and rescue, you know, work on rescuing the pigeons. And it was all very, very traumatic. I mean, it hurt. Like this stuff really hurts. And it hurt me to, uh, it was, I, I can't even describe, like, it was painful. It was a painful childhood in, in part just because I just saw those visions of what these animals were going through. And it was like, I was experiencing it myself. And so- when I was doing these things, it wasn't about me. It wasn't about me being, being shy and doing or not doing. It was me really saying, this is, this has to happen. This has to stop. And what, what role I can take. And it wasn't about hating on other people for not, not being there yet. It was really at that time about just sharing the information because it was not readily available. It was, you had to really search to find out what was happening and so I just, I made it, it was my mission to share, to share. And that's why it was, it was hard when people pushed back and, and said, I don't want to know. I, I, I just don't want to know. And I couldn't, I couldn't understand that in my young mind. That was something that I, I grappled with for a really long time. Well, I have trouble understanding it in my not young mind. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I'm so happy that you brought up how it is for kids. Uh, My daughter was raised vegan and that caused me to write in the chapter on parenting in Main Street Vegan that it's not just about nutrition and socialization. This is about raising children who know the truth, 
Now, that's a good thing. You know, we don't want to raise children with a, a lot of, of lies and myths and, and things that aren't true. But on the other hand, they're also growing up with information that, like you say, most adults don't even want to know. So do you have any advice for parents who might happen to have a child something like you were? Oh, uh, yeah, you know, I, I give my parents a lot of credit um, for giving me space to be me and to own that piece of me as hard as it was. And I think that that's the place. It, it's interesting you you brought this up, Victoria, because I was I was on customer service support um, with uh, GoDaddy um, the other day. And whenever I get customer support with them, they see my website. And so there's often a conversation. And the the guy on the other end was telling me about his child who said, who, who wanted to know and who was very young and how he wasn't ready to, to, to share what, what that was on her plate. And I just had to say, well, how come, you know, this is, you're putting it on the plate. That's your choice. And I didn't say it quite like that, but if it's something that you're choosing and it's not bad, then what is it that you're not wanting to share? It, found that very interesting. He didn't appreciate my challenge on that, but, um, but, but it's, it's the truth. I mean, this is the truth. And, and for me, and I don't have, I don't have children. Um, I have my fur babies and that's, um, that's all I need. Um, but my mother is, a, a has been a preschool teacher, child development, um, for a long time. And she, and I really like like what she did. She just allowed me to be me and allowed me to explore what my thoughts and my beliefs were and and gave me that space and gave me that freedom. And it is the truth. And it's hard, it's a hard truth, but it is the world that we live in. So I'm I'm more for um being honest with our children and then and then loving on them and you know, doing our best to to support them in a world that's a, it's a scary place. And these are scary things that we're all having to deal with. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Ellen. That's, that's lovely. So even uh, the fitness part of, of what you do and ha have done sexy fit vegan, you started that in 2013. So what was your intention there? I think you kind of had like an ulterior motive. <laughs> yes. Opening the doors, opening people's minds, opening people's hearts. And you know, at that point, so 2013, you know, there people were starting to know veganism to understand what the word is at, at least. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't sexy for most people. For most people, there were still those stereotypes of, of being from just, you know, you have to be at this hippy dippy uh, person who's really far out there, or you're going to be skinny and scrawny and not be able to build muscle because you can't have enough protein. You know, all these misconceptions um, were out there. And I, what I wanted to do was break those stereotypes. I wanted to put myself out there and say, Hey, I'm, I'm loving life. Um, you can be sexy. You can be fit. You can have fun. You can be mainstream. You don't have to, you know, change everything. You don't have to change who you are. You just have to open, open up, open your mind, open your heart and, um, and, and explore kind of challenge those programs, challenge those societal norms. And to me, that's sexy 
to be able to challenge what's supposed to be, you know, like we, we all have that little bit of like, I want to be a badass in one way or another, right? So if we can make that what it about, what, what veganism is about, of just challenging the norm and really stepping into your power to make conscious and mindful choices about what you do every day, what you put in your body, um, how you move your body and how you relate to other people and to spread compassion, not only for, um, not only for other people, which we're so used to, to talking about, but to all beings. Mm. So Ella, you're a fitness coach, but you're also into something you call self-coaching. So what's that? (laughs) And how does teaching people the system ultimately help animals too? Yeah, I'm all about empowerment and challenging yourself. And that's on every level, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, um, spiritually. And, you know, coaches are great. I'm a coach myself and I have coaches. I am big proponent proponent of coaches. But if we can get to a place where we're challenging our own thoughts, that's when we can create this kind of uh, a board game out of life is what I, is how I kind of look at it. It's like, we get to choose our moves, but we don't get to choose our moves if we're so caught up in our subconscious programming on our autopilot. If we're, if we're going through life, just what, uh, who we think we are and what we think we're capable of as truth. A lot of that isn't ours. A lot of that is, is stuff that we were programmed when we were kids, when we were taught, um, and, and we create this program of who we think we are. And we keep that with us the rest of our lives and it limits us. So what I like to say is if we can become the observer of our minds, become the observer of our thoughts and start challenging the thoughts that aren't serving us, then we get to be intentional. We get to be intentional about our lives, about every, every choice we make, how it affects not only ourselves, but, but the people that we love, um, the whole human population, and of course, um, animals and, and the planet. Just to make that connection seems like it's going to make such a difference when more and more people do it. So as an ethical vegan, but also as a practical person who understands that you simply can't force something on somebody, especially this Because I think about people who come to me and their great passion is some other need in the world, which I see as a realistic need. And they'll say, can you donate? Well, as long as it's a cause where they're not testing on animals, yes, I can donate. But if they ask me to change something huge, like how I ate, I mean, if if they said, I don't know, um, there's there's something immoral about living in your building, you have to move. It'd be like, uh, I don't know, that's a lot to ask. And I think (laughs) that's how people look at veganism. You know, that's a lot to ask for this cause that isn't their primary cause. Mm. So talk to us a little bit about your, your vocal activism these days. How do you talk to people and keep it nice, but make it effective? Like how big of a badass do, <laughs> do we have to get to make this work? Yeah, I th- I, for me, it's about really getting vulnerable myself and sharing. One thing, that, one thing that I found, and this was a lesson I had to learn, was that I really set out to be like the perfect vegan, you know, like this perfect human being, because I thought, well, if, if I'm perfect, then everybody will want to go that route. Whereas actually not being vulnerable and not sharing my own flaws and my own 
shit or stuff. Um, that actually made it so people couldn't relate to me. And so one of the lessons I've learned is, is to just be real, be so super authentic to um, continue to work on myself and to share that with the world. First of all, just helps people kind of start to relate better. And when they can relate better, and then they can see that the happiness and the growth that I'm experiencing by sharing myself and my own path and my own journey. Uh, I found that that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned when it comes to helping people be more relatable to, to me and my journey and for me to help them with theirs at the same time. Um, so really sharing, 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 sharing life, sharing joy, sharing the ups and the downs and always relating it back to how freaking good it feels to move through the world, knowing that you're doing your part to, to make a positive impact. Like that feels good. When we get to our deathbeds, you know, we're not looking back and saying, Oh, I had six pack abs. Good for me. You know, <laughs> like, oh, it's, it's fun to have six pack abs, but that's not what we're going to look back on. Right. So if we can help people kind of get out of their everyday head and say, what are we going to really care about when, when this life ends, because it's going fast. I mean, this where it's, it goes fast. Right. And what's really important. And there, there's no choice. We don't have to choose a cause, right? I'm for human rights. I'm for animal rights. I'm for environmental rights. We don't have to choose. There's no, there's no choosing. And the cool thing too, is that they're all so interconnected. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize and something that I didn't even realize so much until, until recently, just how connected a lot of these movements are. And so if we can understand the connections between these movements, then we can all work together for the better of every, um, you know, human animal and the environment. Yeah, that's, that's so important. And I think you're really right that, that people don't know. And when they first hear it, it can be such new information that it doesn't sound right. It's like, wait a minute, you know, I didn't learn that in school. No, none of the people that I admire, none of the books that I have read have said that. So we're really offering something very new. And I guess the way I look at it is we have to be patient with each individual, but we have to be offering this to so many people <laughs> so continually every single day yes. that, that there's time to be patient. Some people are going to change quickly. Some people are going to take more time, but we're just out there making it happen. Oh yes. And when I, um, I got tattooed, I got vegan tattooed on my body in several places because, and this is part of the strategy, then I don't necessarily have to say it. Right. Um, and first I, first I tattooed it on my arm. Um, I live in Florida, so it's, I'm, my arms are exposed quite a bit, but then I realized, oh, I was spending more time up at the sanctuary in Virginia where it's, um, where, where my arms are covered. So, oh, let me just get it tattooed on my neck. <laughs> it's not going to be covered up so much. So if I can just, I can be a walking billboard and not, you know, you know, people talk about don't force it down people's throat. No, I'm not forcing it down anybody's throat. That doesn't work. Um, but if, again, if I can be this, the, this shining example and say, hey, join me in the vegan club without having to actually say it. So tattoos, hey. That's that's great. You and my husband. It's a good club, by the way. And it is a good club. Uh, stay with us. We will be back after these announcements.
You're listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, I love talking to amazing women with amazing William-like, amazing wisdom. See, I'm thinking of William, my ailing husband. That's a Freudian, but it's a good one. Wonderful women like Ella Majors that I'm speaking with today. And we're going to get right back to talking to her in not very long at all. But I do want to do a couple of shout outs to important others. And I did mention the Compassion Consortium when I was talking about my husband, William. For those of you who are unfamiliar, William, two other interfaith ministers and myself, I'm the layperson, uh, started the Compassion Consortium last spring as a place where people who care about animals and who have a spiritual life uh, want to come together. And this is people for whom this is their spiritual path and other people who are very uh, connected with the faith tradition of their childhood or one that they discovered later, but who also want a place where they can bring their spirituality to grow with people who are also vegan and who care about other beings. So we've got a couple of events coming up that I want to let you know about. On February 15th, we will be celebrating Black History Month by talking about the wonderful film, They're Trying to Kill Us, which is about dietary disparities and how hip hop is gonna make a whole lot of the world vegan. So we will have filmmakers John Lewis and Keegan Kuhn uh, joining us and talking about this really exciting film. It doesn't have distribution yet, but you can watch the, the trailer at they're trying to kill us.com. That's without the uh, apostrophe. And you can also get your free tickets for the Compassion Consortium event coming up at 8 p.m. Eastern time on February 15th by going to www compassionconsortium.org. And I said it that way because when you say consortium, that's not how it's spelled. Then also in February at our regular Sunday service, service at the fourth Sunday of the month, which will be February 27th, we'll be having a wonderful celebration service with music and video and even get a chance to dance and our um, interview, our special interview when I will speak with Dr. Milton Mills. He is a medical doctor in Washington, D.C. He's in the field of um, emergency intensive care, uh, critical care medicine. And uh, he's also a Seventh-day Adventist. And that is the one uh, Christian denomination that strongly suggests a vegetarian or vegan lifestyle to its members. So that'll be really, really interesting. And while I am shouting out, you know, if you eat the best diet on earth, it may still need just a little bit of help. And that is what compliment is all about. Just check it out at lovecompliment.com and you'll find some really excellent supplements that are crafted by vegans for vegans. 
uh, Dr. Pamela Ferguson, uh, RD, PhD, is part of that, as is Matt Fraser, the No Meat Athlete, and Joel Kahn, MD, America's Holistic Heart Doc. Very good people behind these products. I take them every day, and uh, you save a little money if you put in the discount box, Main Street, in capital letters. Again, their website, lovecompliment.com. Now back to our interview with Ella Major, who just lights up a room and lights up this world. So you've got some cool new stuff going on. So one thing is a project that includes a podcast, and it's called Solutionary Vegans Level Up Podcast. And you do that with co-creator Jennifer Turkin. So tell us all about it and why we should be listening. Yes. So actually, uh, Jennifer was somebody who took one of my coaching programs and I got to know her and learned that she was uh, getting her degree, her master's degree in humane education from the Institute of Humane Education, which was founded by Zoe Weil. And when I started learning some of the stuff that she was learning and they cover everything um, from all all the unjust systems, including uh, our food system, and it really I, it lit a spark under me and this fire started burning up inside and said, you know, this sex fit vegan thing, it's, it's fun. It's great. Uh, but I'm really missing some of this animal rights work that I haven't done so directly in so long. Um, so I was super excited to, to partner with her and we have uh, created a new podcast, like you said, and it's going to really be uh, for mostly for vegans who are ready to figure out how to take their activism or their advocacy to the next level, which is a tough place when you get, you know, some of the the newer vegans, especially that there's so much anger, so much emotion, you know, some of that is anger of saying, look, I feel like I've been lied to, you know, my, my whole life. And I'm now discovering this stuff and I'm gung ho. And here I am. And kind of like when I was a teenager, it's that same idea of when I get it, everybody else is going to get it if only they know. And so, you know, you go out and you start spreading the message and then you hit this wall of, wow, people aren't necessarily listening what do I do? What do I do next? This is, and it can be depressing. It can be anxiety producing. And, and there's the individual change that we want to spark in other people's in other people. But then there's like that next level of, okay, well, this is much deeper than individual change. We've got to change systems. That's complex. That's complicated. What do I do? Um, So our podcast is really meant, and this is me really learning alongside our listeners. Uh, I really wanted to help provide this platform for people like, you know, some of the first people that we're interviewing, um, for example, Joe from Vaunalytics. Um, she's going to be in one of our first episodes and really getting down to some of this research of what really is most effective and what's not effective. And without that information, kind of just feel a little lost. So that's what this podcast is really about, is about helping um people that are interested in really making a positive impact and maybe just haven't figured out what those next steps look like or getting clarity around, you know, what that means and what part you can play. Um, so that's what that, that this podcast is all about. And we're going to be following that up with some, um, some other projects around that. I'm really excited about it. 
I love it. So you use a word in the name of your podcast that I think most of our listeners have heard. I've heard it, but I'm not 100% sure what it means. So can you define solutionary? Yeah. So solutionary, and it's a we uh, interview Zoe Weil as, as our first guest, and she really goes into it. But just a basic definition is a person who identifies inhumane, unsustainable, and unjust systems, and then develops solutions that are healthy and equitable for people, animals, and the environment. Who wouldn't want to be that? Exactly. <laughs> This is very, very cool. Now, what about the level up part? This is a kind of a long name for a podcast, the yes. Solutionary Vegans Level Up Podcast. So where's yes. the level up coming in? Yes, it's leveling up our activism. Ah. That's, yep, just, um, you know, most of the people that are, are going to be listening are already out there, out there doing the work, but just maybe aren't aware of what next steps to take or how to uh, really dive deeper into the most effective ways that they can be spending their time and energy for the benefit of animals and, uh, and humans and the planet. So has the podcast launched yet? It has not. We will be launching in the spring. We do not have the exact date, but we will be launching in the spring with several episodes all at once. And then we will um, be continuing on from there. Okay, cool. So for people who are listening at some time other than this time that we are talking, <laughs> <laughs> yes. we have a, we have an email list that you can get on and we'll be sending out um, a notification as soon as we have that exact date, solutionaryvegan.org. Okay, I see that. So solutionaryvegan.org is the website. The Facebook page is Solutionary Vegan and Instagram is Solutionary Vegan. So that's easy. <laughs> so we can can find out about when everything is getting started. So may you have great success with that. Thank it's you. Beautiful, beautiful concept. So, um, okay. So I've just learned now what it is to level up. So how do we do it? How do we up level our advocacy efforts? Yes. Well, we see it as kind of three phases. Uh, there's the phase of, of leveling yourself up and really, um, for me, what I like to talk about is, is healing yourself is the first step to healing the world. So again, when we talk about the emotions and, and the things that are maybe preventing us from being our best selves, when we know that bec by becoming our best selves, we can better advocate for animals. So there's that personal individual healing that needs to take place, followed by then our relationships with other people and how we can communicate effectively with other people to help them open their minds and their hearts and start making some changes in their lifestyles. And then that third phase is, is the systemic phase and what we can do to support um, and there's so many organizations out there now that are really taking that in, um, in stride and really working towards that systemic level change. So how we can support those organizations and how we can use our own tools. And we're going to be covering all of that um, on the podcast. It seems to me, Ella, from having been around animal rights for so long, it wasn't even called animal rights yet when I got into it, that at one time, it was such a little oddity that nobody cared. No, nobody wanted to fight with us. We just didn't really matter. But now we do. And when you start to matter, the other side, the side that usually has the power, um, starts to try to preserve its interests. And I believe we're, we're there now. Yes. Yes. And so how do we develop the courage 
to stand up to people who would really like us to go away? I think part of this is looking a little deeper and looking a little more outside the box. Because sometimes the people we think are are maybe, you know, enemies, as we might want to call them, they might not be so far off. Um, For example, farmers, you know, the people that are that that have these farms that are harming these animals and, and, and torturing and killing these animals. You know, a lot of those farmers, they're 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 trying to survive. And as long as we continue to make them our enemy and not, you know, look at what they really want. And maybe they're wanting to feed their families. Maybe they don't know another way. Maybe they need help. If we can start to, and there are groups that are doing this, as you know, Victoria, but really kind of aligning ourselves like we're on their side and stop trying to you know, separate ourselves and make others out to be evil or the enemies, we have a better chance at making greater change and moving this needle faster, if that makes sense. It, it does make sense. And when when I asked the question, I wasn't thinking about individuals because individuals tend to be pretty reasonable, especially yeah. when they're not online. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But you mentioned changing systems yeah. and these systems like the yes. big agra and the big pharma. Yes. I don't know why we can be so nice when we're little and we can get so difficult when we're big. <laughs> Those systems are our tough adversaries. Yeah, yeah. We've got. I mean, things like the 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 subsidies that are a dollar seventy. The government subsidizing a dollar seventy. I believe it is um, right now for every dollar that. Um, for for meat that's coming out so we're if the true price of meat was what it actually is nobody would be affording meat so we've got to really look at and and i think you know now and this is still i guess a little bit controversial but the um the lab grown or the cultured meat industry you know the more research i do the more i see that as being such a huge solution now that depends on the uh funding and the research that needs to go on that and the education that needs to come out around that. But that might be, um, you know, the way to move the needle faster. People are not tomorrow going to, massive amounts of people aren't going to just start caring tomorrow, unfortunately. But if we can give them an alternative that is, you know, if we can show them that it's, it's now you're going to get quote, clean meat without antibiotics and hormones and that their health benefits, again, meeting people where they are. For me, it's all about the animals when it comes down to it. Um, so if that's, if that's the way to move the needle faster and to, to end suffering quicker, then that's what we need to do. And we need to support that. Like people like Bruce um, Friedrich with the Good Food Institute, you know, supporting his efforts and making this happen. Um, so these are the type of bigger uh, issues that we can support and help educate people around as well. And I absolutely agree with you. I think if everybody from every quarter does what they're doing, (laughs) we are going to get this thing done. And I just read a wonderful statistic that two brands of plant-based meats alone, Beyond Burger and Impossible Burger, by themselves are estimated to have saved the lives of one million cows in 2021. I've been an animal rights advocate since I was a teenager and I haven't saved a million cows, (laughs) not even close. So uh, yeah, I think sometimes we have to 
just be willing to be open, even if there's there are people involved in activism, and I've had this too. I've been kind of judgmental sometimes when activists have done things that I'm thinking, well, I wouldn't do that. And then it's like, so what? Who cares what you would do? They're, they're being motivated in their way. Yeah. And, and so I think we just all have to be out there yeah. doing what, what our conscience tells us uh, is positive. Yeah, and supporting one another in that. Exactly. And yes, exactly. Like that might not be the way you're doing it, but you're doing something. And exactly. yeah, exactly. Yes. You know, <laughs> it, it's like all these other, you know, we talk about how people can't talk with each other anymore and everybody is so extreme in their views about everything. You know, when you really talk to people one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. you can find points of agreement. Very often it's dogs. <laughs> yes. So, and you know, if people came with you to Hogs and Kisses Farm Sanctuary, then I think we could have as much conversation about pigs as we now have about dogs. So tell us about Hogs and Kisses and, and how you started supporting this particular sanctuary, which is, takes you two plane flights to get to, but you go anyway. I do. I do. I go a lot. I miss those. I miss those animals when I'm not there. Um, yeah, no, one, one of my best friends in the world, uh, she actually went, went vegan um, after being friends with me for quite a, quite a while. And I helped her support her on that, on that journey and kind of full circle come around now. Like, I think it was, was it just last year that we started this sanctuary? I think it was just last year. And she said, Ella, I'm doing it. I'm I'm starting a sanctuary. Will you be on the board? And I was like, of course I will. This is amazing. I mean, what vegan, what ethical vegan doesn't want to be around farm animals? I mean, it was like a dream come true for me. Um, so she and her husband uh, built a built on a land in Virginia, outside of Charlottesville, Virginia. I went up and we, I mean, we're straight, we're two Miami girls, no, really know nothing about taking care of farm animals. So we had a lot of education to, to do for ourselves. And we ended up um, driving to New York to pick up three 700 pound farm pigs to start us off. Uh, we did not know they were going to be 700 pounds. We, <laughs> we went up, we're, we had this kind of picture of what these pigs were going to look like in our heads. We had seen them, but we couldn't quite get the, the brevity of the size of them by the pictures. We show up and we looked in the barn and we were like, oh my gosh, are those bears? <laughs> they were so big. We had no idea. Oh my goodness. And um, what had happened was the, uh, it was on a production farm. The wife of the farmer fell in love with the pigs and, and said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And there were 11 pigs left um, that were spared their lives. And we went and got three that were bonded already. They were sisters. We brought them, brought them down to the farm and wow. What, I mean, what amazing animals and what personalities Rubia who asked, we, we, she asked her name to be changed. It was imposter. We said, that's not a very nice name. So we're going to, we're going to change it. And we kind of felt her out and she's blonde. And we, so we went with Rubia, uh, which means blonde in, in Spanish. And she is head honcho of these three girls. And she will just come right over to you and say, time for a belly rub. And she will just get herself right down and roll over. I mean, she reminds me of my nine pound chihuahua. <laughs> she just, she's 700 pounds. My chihuahua's nine, but they roll, they kind of get down and roll over for their belly to be rubbed just the same. 
Um, they're, they're just amazing. We also have uh, now five, um, five bunnies that we are working on bonding, which is a whole experience. Have you, do you have any experience with bonding? Oh, bunny I mean, bonding? I think they're beautiful, um, all kinds of bunnies and rabbits, but I've never lived with one or, or been close yeah, to one. I hadn't either. And Yes, there's there's a whole process for bunny bonding and the social structure of, of the pigs as well is it's complex, it's complicated. Um, there's so much to learn and it's it's just it's fascinating and beautiful and developing these relationships. And and this is so much more than just about these animals who are now, you know, acting as ambassadors, basically, um, helping other people make that connection and seeing the beautiful amazing personalities that they have and being able to kind of relate that to the pets or, you know, animals that they know and love in their lives. Um, so Anne does an amazing job at, at social media and creating opportunities for people to get to know these animals. And she's also uh, produced a show that we call uh, Beat Around the Barn. And we have guests on to help people also um, get the educational experience they need to, to really uh, be able to relate to these animals and understand that these are the animals that ends up on people's plates and it, it doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. So what's the website for the sanctuary? Hogsandkisses.org. Okay, cool. That's a great name. Great name. It is. So how does your sanctuary work tie in with your solutionary work? Do you keep them in separate pockets or <laughs> do they connect? Yeah, well, you know, part of, part of being a solutionary is looking at all the different ways that, like we were just talking about, you know, how, how can we connect with people? How can we, how can we meet people where they are? And for some people, that route is going to be really effective of, of learning about the sanctuaries and learning about the individual animals. Um, and, but Solutionary goes so beyond that, you know, just looking at all the different, all the different system and all the different forms of advocacy and, you know, sanctuary work is, is one form of advocacy, um, as is lobbying and doing the work with, um, you know, working towards changing systems and government uh, and laws and, and this sort of thing. So we really, we really try to look at all the different strategies and um, help people kind of figure out where their place is and where they can fit in and what, what moves them and what feels passionate, you know, what helps them feel like they're living their passion as well. That sounds terrific. So um, I think before we, we close this wonderful hour together, some people will be disappointed if we don't touch a little bit on your other area of expertise, and that is fitness. So sure. coming into spring and people start thinking about that. And I think some people, having gone through the pandemic and, and just really not exercise for more than two years the way they used to, coming back just might seem overwhelming. So what do you do if you feel you've just lost your fitness, but you want to get it back? Find something that, that is actually fun as a, as a way back in. For me, I really, I love variety and I've really gotten into calisthenics um, this past year, especially with the, the pandemic and not having maybe access to as much equipment or gyms or, or whatever. Calisthenics is such a great, fun um, way to start to learn. You can, you can kind of make some goals of, of new tricks like handstands, you know, there's modifications that you can do. 
I love telling people what would be a goal? Like what would be a, a move or a trick that you might want to do that would be fun? Um, and to get some inspiration from, you know, me or whoever else on Instagram, there's a million people out there to have some goals in mind. Number one, find something fun, find something that's enjoyable, especially now as we're getting out of this, um, the restrictions to find a community, you know, find instructors or coaches or, or other people that you can do things with, you know, use it as an, as a time, use it for a social activity, make it multi-purpose, um, just get out there and move, move every day, uh, in one way or another, find your, find what's, what's fun and experiment and think of it as an adventure. Think of it as, as something that is, you know, that you get to explore, that you get to discover. Same with vegan food. You know, if we think about it as restriction, that's one thing. If we think about it as, wow, what's out there that I haven't tried yet, you know, we can do the same with fitness. So I'd say, just get moving, find what's fun, find people that you can relate to that, um, and, and, and make it an enjoyable experience. Ah, oh, that sounds wonderful. And I think animals help so much with that. You just see the joy in the movement. My dog yes. is 10 years old now and he just jumps around and is happy moving his body like when he was a puppy. So exactly. nobody tells them they're supposed to grow up and stop having fun. Yes. My little girl is um, 15 now. So Ooh. she's, yep. She's, uh, she's still, yeah, she gets that spark in her and I'm like, oh, you go girl. Oh, that's so sweet. So in our last minute, my gosh, I can't believe how fast this, this went. What, what's next? What's on the horizon? Yes. Well, the podcast is big. I, we've got so many things. I'm going to keep everybody up to date um, through sexyfitvegan.com, solutionaryvegan.org, and hogs and, and kisses.org. We've got so many new projects um, coming out, uh, too many to list. Um, but those are, the, those are the directions. And if anybody wants to um, also volunteer, we have volunteer opportunities at Hogs and Kisses, even virtual um, opportunities. And I know a lot of people are really looking to get involved. Um, so we've got plenty of volunteer opportunities. If, if you want to reach out, you're looking to do something we've got lots of those ah that's wonderful and it would be so much fun to be there sometime when you were there because yes. you are just such an inspiration so thank you so much ella it's just been wonderful wonderful to spend this time with you and i want to send a shout out to someone that we both admire and adore and that is virtual assistant marie Dore. for being just so cool for both amazing of us, for all your clients and i will say thank you also to unity online radio who has been behind this podcast for nearly 10 years we're going to have a big old anniversary coming up so everybody thank you for listening god bless you eat your veggies Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation 
with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.